What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the eighth episode of season two. Today, we're going to talk about our top 10 most overrated players based on Fantasy Pro's ADP right now. And some of the guys we're going to talk about today are guys like why Calvin Ridley might be a little overrated. Maybe LaVisca Chanel is touted a little bit too high. Guys like Cortland Sutton coming off an injury are just not what we really think they're going to be. Or even Kyle Pitts are guys that we don't believe in. We're going to get into that very soon. But helping me get into that today is a very, very good friend of mine. He is in second place all time in appearances on this podcast. He has one of the best voices in all of fantasy. He has over 46.9 thousand followers on Instagram, home to his own website, graduated college in the last year, has a lot of great things going for him with a new mic. He is Joey Volpe, the fantasy football analyst. What's going on, Joe? Volpe. Volpe. I appreciate <laughs> Appreciate that. Who's first? Who has the most variance? Dom has one more. Oh, you guys are tied. Joe is Joe is now number one, or tied for number one on this. So it's going to be a battle all year. So. I'm excited about that. I'm excited. You're gonna have to come on more and beat him. Maybe he's the one that's overrated. Maybe we should talk about him. I mean, I def- you know, I, yeah, I'd put him. <laughs> I'd put him up there. He's all muscles. He's, he's all muscles. No fantasy. <laughs> and we're not here. We're not here to test on a strength game. It's a. It's a. It's a brain game. Analytics, film, whatever you want to do. It is definitely not a muscle game in fantasy. And that's why guys like you and me can compete in fantasy because we don't need the same muscles that other people. Don't need do. muscles. But I haven't been to the gym in over a year. Exactly. And we're still doing okay in fantasy. Well, besides your my guys last year, those didn't work out so well. But hey, we're in 2021. We're not going to talk about that. New year. It's a new year, new us, but let's get right into it. Who is the most overrated, or sorry, who is your fifth most overrated player going into 2021? Um, so you brought him up very briefly. For me, it's LaVisca Chenault. Okay. Now, his ADP... Right now, I I, got, I pulled it up on on uh, Fantasy Pros like you were talking about. It's not as high as I thought it would be, but to go with that, um, I'm also thinking of this kind of in how it's going to be projected throughout the off season. Okay. I think with no like real wide receiver additions besides Jalen Camp really late, which I do like, but that's for another day. Um, there weren't really really any wide receiver additions to the Jaguars uh, offense which kind of puts a guy like Visco Chenault where like people are saying, Oh, maybe he'll be the next Percy Harvin, which what urban Meyer wants. And if he does that and he has the ability to run out of the backfield and be that Cordero Patterson type player, um, then maybe he can have a lot of value. But for me, that guy is Travis Etienne. And I, I know um, you mentioned your, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it yet, but your fifth most, overrated guy kind of ties into this this is which is why i put him in the same spot but travis Etienne, i feel was drafted to be that percy harvin type so when we think of the percy harvin type obviously we're thinking like curtis samuel percy harvin we're thinking of wide receivers but i I don't think we have to be married to the position all that much i feel like it's about the versatility of that player lavisca is part of the old regime as was James Robinson. Henceforth, they don't feel committed to him. Urban Meyer wants his guy. Urban Meyer wants his Percy Harvin type role. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Percy Harvin role, I'm sure you've talked about it before, but talking about a guy who's going to get a ton of yardage on the ground and a ton of yardage through the air. They're just going to run their offense with this utility guy. Um, And to go on that, Urban Meyer was very, very devastated. There was a report, there was a video 
uh, in an interview, he said he was very devastated. He wasn't able to land Kadarius Tony, which when you think of Kadarius Tony, you think of a versatile back. Like he's not a great route runner at all. You share the hatred for Kadarius Tony with me. We talked about that earlier before we started this podcast, but um, point being, he's a versatile guy who could very easily pay that, play that Percy Harvin role. And because he was not available, Travis Etienne was the next best guy. So yeah, I, I just, I'm not really going to understand the hype around LaVisca this year. I, I don't think he's in line to be that guy. And if he's not, and he's mostly playing in the slot, and you have DJ Chark and Marvin Jones, the outside, I just don't think he's going to get enough volume to be valuable. So uh, Travis Etienne, a huge reason why I'm staying away from Visca. Okay. I like that. And I think that you make a good argument for it in terms of projecting. I think right now as a, Wide receiver 45 right now, which would probably be in redraft leagues around like the 12th or 13th round-ish. I think like that, I mean, it's hard not to get a value there, but you might say, okay, I'm just not going to take him. But I think projecting through, especially with how people are starting to hype him up in the fantasy football community right now, he's the guy that's going to go up. I mean, right now in in May, he might be wide receiver 45, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got up near wide receiver 30 come when the hype is coming and they're like, oh, you hear that, oh, this guy looks more explosive than ever, even though every single player in training camp gets that report every year. So I think if that happened, I would definitely be off him. But he's definitely a guy that I would like now. But again, the more he moves up, the more I'm not going to feel very excited about him. It's more just because he's a value at his position now and he's basically free. But another guy that's kind of starting to you know lose a little steam that you mentioned a little bit is James Robinson. And I'm just so not in on James Robinson, especially because like you said, the biggest thing is the old regime. And I think that's the thing that I would look back on the most. If the old regime, they like James Robinson, obviously. But if a new regime comes in the year after he had a phenomenal season and you add a first round running back, no matter you, I mean, you don't draft a first round running back to be your third down guy like Urban Meyer said. I think that's just coach speak. And again, we see all the time with your Peyton Hillis is the world and your guys that are one year wonders, they tend not to pan out. And it definitely helps when, um, when you have a first-round running back drafted in, not to mention that this first-round running back is your number one overall picks running back. So I think the more that the season goes, the more that James Robinson's going to get rid of. And the fact that James Robinson is going at RB31 right now is just crazy to me because I just don't think he should be owned at all because he doesn't have a lot of upside. And the other part, let me just mention this real quick, is the fact that even Carlos Hyde's there. That's more competition than he had last year. I don't think Carlos Hyde's good, but he's going to steal carries from Robinson anyway. And when you add ATN into the mix, I just don't see it. The last thing I just want to say real quick is the fact that there's guys like James Conner, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter even are all going after him. And these guys are all going above James Robinson or all have much clearer paths to a full workload. And I would much prefer them over James Robinson. Please tell me you're not in on James Robinson as much as we would like to as fantasy fans. I am not in on James Robinson. It's really hard to be. Um, with that being said, I don't think he's going to be completely left out in the dirt because if you look at Urban Meyer's offenses, there were times where Percy Harvin was successful in his role. And then at the same time, a running back was able to also be successful in that offense at the same time. So obviously when that running back is also Travis Etienne, it makes it a little more difficult, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't deter from the fact that let's say, ETN gets five to 10 carries a game, five to six catches a game. There's still room for a guy like James Robinson to come in and get 10, 15 carries. Um, it's not going to happen every game. And, you know, at the same time, that's, that's probably not even enough to get value. Cause let's say he takes 10, 15 carries for 75 yards, right? 
seven points on a nice day. You know, that's mm-hmm. not something you want to buy into. But at the same time, I don't think his value is totally gone either. I don't, I don't think he's a guy who I'm just going to – like if you're in Dynasty, I'm not going to drop him. If someone really wants to get rid of him, like everybody will, throw your lowest pick for him. See if you can hold him on your bench because – especially if ETN goes down, James Robinson could be a value. So, um, you know, in that respect, definitely in redraft, I'm not looking for – James Robinson, and uh, depending on where he is going to be drafted, running back 30 is definitely too high. Yeah, and I agree. And I think the last thing I just want to add, and I know he's 30 years old, but Carlos Hyde averaged 4.4 yards per carry each of the last two years. James Robinson only averaged 4.5. It's not like James Robinson is this otherworldly running back. He is undrafted. And unfortunately, in this world, draft capital does matter at the end of the day. And for a year, it might not matter. But I think, yeah, there is definitely things to look out for because I could take a fire on James Robinson because no one else will, and things can pan out. I just don't like the path that it's going to take for him to get there, and it's as simple as that. Another guy that you don't seem to like the path to get to this high level is J.K. Dobbins. Why don't you like J.K. Dobbins? So I love J.K. Dobbins as a player. Um, He was my number one running back uh, last year in terms of prospects in the class. Um. But look, the situation, a lot of people are saying that he's in for this breakout running back one season, this high-end running back two season, which talent-wise, I could 100% see it. But the offense just isn't really built to support a RB1. He's not going to get any receiving volume out of that backfield. Um, They'll love to rotate even a third guy. Justice Hill saw some work at the end of the year as a third down running back. So um, that was very interesting. On top of that, Gus Edwards... Still not going anywhere. He's still very, very much going to be part of that rotation. It may lean a little more towards Dobbins, but at the same time, Gus Edwards is going to have a role in this offense with the added weapons of Rashad Bateman, Tylan Wallace, and they still have Mark Andrews there, Marquise Brown. If they do pass, um, it's going to be more likely that those guys are going to catch the ball. And then on top of that, you have Lamar Jackson taking away a ton of rushing um, opportunity on the ground. So, like Dobbins as a player, I love last year. He was very touchdown dependent, which we cannot depend on every single year, especially when you have Lamar, like if they're on the one yard line, they could give it a Dobbins or they can give it a Lamar or Mark Andrews is there. So it's not something I want to rely on as a running back one. Um, right now he's not being drafted as one, thankfully, but in that third, fourth round, I think there's guys with more upside and more security that I'd rather target. Yeah, and I agree. I think the one thing that I would I would kind of push back a little bit on is I think the fact that yes, he is playing with Lamar, and like I think that definitely might hurt. Like he has to be a little bit more efficient. But I think we've seen with Russian quarterbacks, like they just help you naturally be more efficient. Like Miles Sanders splits were a lot better with Jalen Hurts than they were with Carson Wentz last year because I think those rushing lanes open up a little bit when they have the running quarterback threat. But again, I would prefer someone that's just doesn't have a mobile quarterback and get dump offs more because especially in half PPR or PPR, he just doesn't have a lot of value because he's just not going to catch the passes. And the fact that he's going at RB 17 right now, I don't like that with JK Dobbins and you had, he would have to be uber efficient and he'd have to have one of those Mark, like Mark Ingram five touchdowns on 27 catches, like kind of seasons where he's super efficient. And I just don't want to bank on that. I don't want to bank on the uber efficiency volume is king in fantasy volume will always be king in fantasy and i think that's the biggest thing and when we talk about crowded backfields and stuff like that that leads me right into my next guy and before i say this 
This was my number one my guy last year, and you can listen to any podcast anywhere. This was my number one guy in all of fantasy last year, and I'm sorry to hate on him, but this is how it goes. And it's Calvin Ridley, unfortunately. I talked about Calvin Ridley before as a bold prediction that he's not going to finish as a wide receiver one. Now it's not even a bold prediction, especially when you add Kyle Pitts. Hint, hint, we'll get into that later. But the thing I talked about before with Kyle Calvin Ridley is he finished as the wide receiver four last year, and right now he's being drafted as the wide receiver eight. But the biggest thing that people don't realize are his splits with and without Julio. And yes, Julio has to stay healthy for him to do this, but the splits are insane when he does not have Julio. So with Julio, or sorry, without Julio, he averages 11.3 targets per game. With Julio, he only averages eight. When he doesn't have Julio, he averaged 109 receiving yards per game last year with only 76 per game with Julio. He had three touchdowns in seven games without Julio, six touchdowns in nine games with Julio. And then on top of that, you add in guys like Mike Davis, who's a much better pass catcher than Todd Gurley. Don't at me. And then you add in someone like Kyle Pitts, who's a generational tight end. And then you also have Russell Gage last year that had over 100 targets. And you had Hayden Hurst that hit almost 100 targets. Like, they're not going to pass the ball in every play. The Falcons don't have a good offense. They're going to be playing a lot of come from behind. But when you add in Kyle Pitts, who's a much better pass catcher than Hayden Hurst, you add in a guy like Mike Davis that's a much better pass catcher than Todd Gurley, and then you look at Calvin Ridley's splits with Julio Jones, I just don't see how he's going to finish as a wide receiver. Eight. I love Calvin Ridley, man, but like I just don't see the path for him to do that unless Julio or someone else gets hurt to open up that volume. That's why he did so well last year. Yes, yeah, speaking to the scheme, um, you know, Dirk Cutter is all about just airing it out every single play, and he's not there anymore. It's Arthur Smith, and Arthur Smith at least has more of a balanced offense. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to really be run heavy like they like he was in Tennessee because they don't really have Derrick Henry in that backfield, but definitely a more balanced offense. I will say that um, with with improvement and Matt Ryan. I think that's going to be the thing to save Ridley's value. Do I think he'll be a wide receiver one? Probably not, but I wouldn't put it past it either. Because if you look at how bad Matt Ryan was, like if you watch any of the Falcons games, there's so many times where I'm just staring at the screen. I'm like, Ridley is literally right there. He's wide open. I think there was a game where Ridley literally like didn't do anything and he was open like 18 times like in the end zone he was open here he was open Matt Ryan just had statistically an awful season and I think the way that Arthur Smith would use a guy like Ridley is kind of like how they how he used Corey Davis last year um and Corey Davis had a lot of success wasn't a wide receiver one but I, I would say Calvin Ridley is more talented and in that system, he could still have that kind of success. Julio is going to be taking away that number one coverage. Um, so I'm definitely not off on Calvin Ridley as a whole. I definitely, but, but I also get what you're saying in terms of the expectation of him being wide receiver eight. I have seen that gone, gone, uh, I have seen that go down a little bit with the addition of Kyle Pitts. There's a lot of chatter earlier about Calvin Ridley continuing to be this wide receiver one, but after Kyle Pitts, it seems, seems like a lot of people are starting to cool down on that front. Um, so hopefully that happens. We can still get him. And we're talking about the wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine, in terms of how many running backs are still being drafted early. Like by the end of round three, there's like 20 running backs gone. So even as like the wide receiver eight, wide receiver eight, nine, 10, so to speak, you can still get Calvin Ridley in the fourth round, which is insane. No, and I think I, I agree. But again, I think that like three of the guys that are going right after Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, 
Allen Robinson. Like, I mean, those I guys, have all those guys over really. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's really the point I'm trying to make is I just don't get why he's so, and the thing is, is like he was drafting at, at wide receiver six before they drafted Kyle Pitts. And I just updated it right now. A couple hours ago, Ridley just moved up. Now he's at wide receiver <laughs> seven. He's only I, dropped one spot with a generational tight end being added. I, I will say though, that, you know, the ADPs are really not great yeah. right now. No, they're not. You know, there's probably not. not a ton of data and, I'm sure what we see in June, even or July, is going to be a lot different. Um, so it's kind of hard to take that, you know, to a T. But I agree. definitely, like, I'm hoping to see him go down in terms yeah. of where he's being drafted, or, or even the fact that right now on his overall ADP on Fantasy Pros, like, which is beyond round, like beyond just the wide, whatever wide receiver is, his ADP is wide receiver. I mean, sorry, his overall of 19. That's a mid-second round pick right now yeah. for a guy I just don't see the volume. But again, we could talk about Calvin Ridley all day, but I think it's probably best we just move on. And you can take it for what it's worth. Who is your next guy that you think is overvalued right now? I had the sheet open, but my, my, <laughs> my phone locked. Uh, it's um, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Yes, Cortland Sutton. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Cortland Sutton. Every time I put out my wide receiver rankings, everybody's like, where the hell is Cortland Sutton? Why isn't he top 20? Why isn't he top 25? He's so talented. He's so good. First of all, he's coming off a torn ACL. That's the first strike for Cortland Sutton. Second strike, you have Drew Locke. Third strike, you have Jerry Judy, Noah Fan, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, KJ Handler, who was also a second-round wide receiver last year. So there's no guaranteed volume for a guy like Cortland Sutton. Um, no guaranteed volume, not a great quarterback, coming off a torn ACL. And who's to say – and look, this is what I say when it comes to alpha wide receivers. Alphas eat first, then it's the next guys, right? So if you have a situation where it's like Keenan Allen, if the Chargers have dra- had drafted Devontae Smith in the first round, so like I would not be concerned about Keenan Allen's value at all. Because in my mind, Keenan Allen's going to eat, and then guys like Devontae Smith will eat. That's how I feel about like true wide receiver ones. That's not how I view Cortland Sutton. I don't view Cortland Sutton as a guy who's he's the alpha, and he has to eat first, and everybody else will. Noah Fant could easily be that guy. Jerry Judy, one of the most talented wide receivers we've seen drafted over the last couple of years, he could be that guy. So, And I'm a big Jerry Judy fan as like a prospect and as a player. So I, I definitely see that as a possibility. So, yeah, I'm just – I'm not feeling the Cortland Sutton hype. I'm not feeling the Cortland Sutton love. It, it's just not there for me. Okay, and I, I think that's fair. I don't like how crowded their backfield is and the fact that he's coming off a torn ACL. I think the only thing I would push back on is the fact that he's going as wide receiver 30. Um, I think that the fact that you could get this true alpha at wide receiver 30 is the thing that I would probably say that, okay, I might take this guy because of where he's going now. But this is also May, and that's what the ADP is. But we're here to talk about May ADP. Mm -hmm. And I I do want to just add on that. Even the wide receiver 30, for me, is too high. Because I feel like there's a ton – like wide receiver is crazy deep. Like there's guys like Adam Thielen – and um, like Chase Claypool and stuff like that, that might end up being in that mid to late 20s range, who I could easily see, see being a top 10 to 15 guy. Um, so I, I just feel like wide receiver is so incredibly deep to even top 30, like 30 overall is like too high for Sutton in my view. Okay, well, let me ask you a different question for the listeners. Would you rather take 
Cortland Sutton at 30 right now or Jerry Judy at wide receiver 40? Judy. Would you take Judy over Cortland Sutton, period, at this point in redraft? Mm, it, it, would, it would be so close. You go um, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I might still lean Sutton just like very slightly, but it, I, I wouldn't be upset about picking Judy over him either. Yeah, but nine times out of ten, you'd be able to get Judy after Sutton in the draft because of yep. where they're going. But I think, okay, that's good to know for the listeners. Another guy that I don't get at all going off of the Calvin Ridley is Kyle Pitts, man. I mean, unless Kyle Pitts is the next Robert Tunyon this year, I know Kyle. I'm not saying that Kyle Pitts is Robert Tunyon. He's not talented. Kyle Pitts is one of the best tight end prospects to come out of the draft in my lifetime, and I'm 20 years old. Okay, but the thing I don't like about Kyle Pitts is the fact that he's going as tight end eight right now. And no matter what ADP corrects, I think usually guys like that are only going to go up as the hype grows for him. And I just don't like it because of everything they have in their offense. I mean, you have two – like basically he's playing with two wide receiver ones. And I just don't think that he has a top three ceiling because the top three ceiling is he's going to have to beat out someone like Kittle, Waller, or Kelsey if he doesn't have injuries. And the fact that he's not – like the thing that all those guys have in common is they can all be the top target in their offense. Unless there's a ton of injuries, Kyle Pitts cannot be the top target in their offense. It's always going to be Julio or Ridley unless both of the, those guys somehow get get hurt. And the other thing that I don't like about the Falcons, especially for someone like Kyle Pitts, the Falcons retained their top four target getters last year. Julio, Ridley, Hayden Hurst, and Russell Gage. And they have all those guys, and Kyle Pitts is adding in. So I think the only way that Kyle Pitts hits a C, like his ADP or somewhere higher is if he has a crazy like touchdown-efficient season. And could it happen? Yes, but I don't like to bank on touchdown efficient seasons. I'd rather bank on volume and hope that touchdown efficiency comes with it. I don't think tight end eight is a super steep price. I just don't think that he's the guy that's lower that has that ceiling because to win a fantasy championship, you're chasing that top three ceiling from a tight end. And I just don't think that Kyle Pitts has that. Let me ask you a question. Do you think there's anybody after Kyle Pitts that has that top three ceiling? Well, that is that is a good question. I think the well, I think Logan Thomas potentially does if he becomes that real big second target guy in Washington. But I'd bank on Kyle Pitts first. You know who I? You know who does? Irv Smith. I think someone like Irv Smith, especially in that Minnesota offense. But he also, you know what? I, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. He doesn't have that top target ceiling that Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen do. So I think it's definitely tough. I just, but all again, the thing is that you said is who's going after him. So I think maybe Kyle Pitts' ADP is fair right now. I just don't see the price tag for him to be the top. That's that's a good point. I, I have Pitts as he's my fringe six seven in terms of tight ends. Okay. Um, when when you look at outside the top five tight ends, it's a total crapshoot. It's a total crapshoot. It's about who stays healthy and who happens to catch the most touchdowns. That's literally what it boils down to. If you're a guy who can get a ton of targets and a ton of receptions then it definitely adds to that um but i think the thing with Pitts is first of all draft capital fourth overall in the entire draft which is very high price to pay for a team that needs a running back not that you're going to draft running back that high but for a team that might need a future quarterback that needs like just about every position on defense like you know they probably use some offensive linemen for the future whatever but they chose to go with a tight end they declined the fifth-year option for Hayden Hurst, um, clearly setting up Kyle Pitts for success down the line. Um, so in that sense, I, I think Kyle Pitts is easily going to take priority over him. That being said, 
the way Arthur Smith uses his tight ends and his offense is also very, very intriguing too. Um, I would be really, really shocked if Kyle Pitts falls out of that top five to six tight end range, unless he gets hurt. I would be really, really shocked. The guy is crazy talented. And I know rookie tight ends usually don't have that type of success, but this guy's a generational prospect. I'd be willing to pay the price to have him on my team. Um, You know, for me, if he goes into that top three range, if he's for whatever reason, like a third or fourth round, like pick, then I'm 100% on board with you. I don't think he should be being drafted that high. But at the same time, outside of the Darren Waller, George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey, I think it's kind of all open. Like there's arguments for TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, uh, Dallas Goddard, even if Zach Ertz ever leaves, please hurry Zach Ertz because I could use that for my dynasty team. But um, I, I think there's definitely an argument for Pitts to be in that range, even as a rookie. I think that's fair. I, I think I just won't change because of how – crowded that that um that field is for them to get targets especially with who they have and not to mention that they also added mike davis which is more going to get more targets than todd Gurley. so i'm just not going to chase them purely because of what they can do but i do you definitely make some fair points again so that's for the listeners to decide um and and, i just wanted to add too that like if i'm matt ryan and i'm like okay there's kyle pitts there's russell gage there's mike davis Mm -hmm. Uh, who am I going to pick? Like, you know, like I, I feel like Russell Gage having a hundred targets, that's not going to happen again with Pitts there. Hayden Hurst, not going to have a hundred targets, especially with Pitts there. Um, Mike Davis, is he better than Todd Gurley? Sure. But he doesn't demand targets out of that backfield either. Um, and especially if you look at how they used De- how Arthur Smith used Derrick Henry, throwing to the running backs wasn't really part of that scheme at all. So I, I, I think there's definitely room. And, and even with the added, you know, if you're going to chop down 100 or so pass attempts, we'll call it, you know, something crazy without Dirk Cutter there. I think there's still room for Kyle Pitts to realistically have close to 100 targets. I, I, I think that's there's a world where that can happen, especially if Julio does get hurt, which does happen. I mean, Pitts could go off. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. I mean, I'm going to respectfully disagree, but I think you absolutely make some fair points there. Fair enough. At the end of the day, we can agree to disagree and we can shake hands and move on. And maybe I'll get on the Kyle Pitts train, but I'd prefer another train. Um, I'd prefer the Noah Fant train. I think that's a train I'd Ooh. rather ride right now. But that is a conversation for Ooh. another day. Who is your number two most overrated player? Okay, so when I was filling out like the most overrated players, um, I was just kind of thinking of like when I do rankings, mm-hmm. who do people yell at me the most? Yeah. Um. I, I. I. honestly don't even know this guy's ADP, but I just chose Derek Carr because there. Like, what is the appeal with a guy like Derek Carr as opposed to even like a Sam Darnold who has all these weapons and we've he's never hit his potential. Yeah. And what it, as opposed to like a Zach Wilson who you know rookie like some he's been compared to Patrick Mahomes, but it's also been compared to Mitchell Trubisky. Like you know he's a good mix of both. So I. I just feel like appeal wise. There's, I'd rather go in like 29 different directions as opposed to like going to Derek Carr. Has he been sturdy because he stayed healthy and he's had got a guy like Darren Waller? Yeah, he's been a sturdy fantasy quarterback. But in terms of points per game, he was the quarterback 24. Like he wasn't anything special, even though he finished as like a top 15 guy. He was just healthy. You know, that's what it comes down to. Um, I'm not going to go crazy with the Marcus Mariota conspiracies. But, I mean, 
John Gruden is a very big fan of Marcus Mariota and uh, if Derek Carr has too many slip-ups with, by the way, lost a lot of offensive line pieces, but thank God they drafted that third-round value in the first to play right tackle. Yeah. Um, so he lost a lot of offensive line pieces. He still doesn't have a clear wide receiver one. Who knows if Henry Ruggs is really going to shape out to be that guy. They added John Brown, who's like 32, and like if he stubs his toe, he'll be out for like six months. So <laughs> – they still have Darren Waller. I, I don't know. There, there's just not a, a lot of appeal at all for me in Derek Carr. I just rather look in a lot of different directions. Yeah, and I think ADP would agree. He's going as the QB 25 right now, so there's definitely not much too value. High. But, yeah, it's honestly too high. I think he's still overrated, especially with how bad that line is now. And the fact that, I mean, when Kenyon Drake's <laughs> going to be in the slot for you, I just don't really love love your chances at, at success. But especially in Dynasty, I'd be selling him right away for – I mean, anything I could get. If you had a nice bag of Cool Ranch Doritos, I mean, I, I might take that, especially if I'm hungry. So I could I could go for that. But another player that's overrated to go from the bottom of the board to the top of the board. And I'm here to say that Patrick Mahomes is just overrated in fantasy for one simple reason. Okay? This is a serious take. And the fact that right now Patrick Mahomes is going as QB1 and he's going as number 23 overall okay that 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 in itself i don't think you should ever take a quarterback at 23 overall but let me take that a little bit further so in 2018 obviously patrick mahomes was by the best quarterback in fantasy by 70 points but in the two years since then in 2019 he was the quarterback eight and last year he ended as the quarterback four after his 16 games and that's not to say that patrick mahomes is a bad quarterback is patrick mahomes probably the likeliest bet to be the qb1 i would probably say so but I'd rather grab someone in the later rounds with rushing upside like a Jalen Hurts or a Lamar Jackson or someone that has a little more rushing upside because like Patrick Mahomes just doesn't have a ceiling. You're drafting him at 23 overall, and the only ceiling that he has is him replicating that 2018 season. That is really the only way that you're going to make up or get past the value, whereas later in the draft you can get a more quarterback value because they can go above where they're being drafted, whereas him being drafted 23rd overall, the only value he has is doing his exact same 2018 season. Patrick Mahomes is the likeliest quarterback, in my opinion, to be the overall QB1, so I can get behind that, but I'd rather take someone in the later rounds and get someone else that has QB value there, especially when do you know where Patrick Mahomes is going right now? He's going ahead. He's with, okay, the two people in front of him, Joe Mixon, Justin Jefferson. The two people behind him, George Kittle and Keenan Allen. So I'd rather pair Keenan Allen and Jalen Hurts than pair Patrick Mahomes with like Cortland Sutton or someone like that. I think that's the point I'm trying to make here. I just think he's overrated in the fact that his ceiling's not there. And he's only finished as the QB1 in one out of his three seasons. And the last thing I want to say is you could be like, oh, well, then why is Christian McCaffrey going as the RB1? Well, Christian McCaffrey was the RB1 in back-to-back years, and on a points-per-game basis, albeit three games last year, Christian McCaffrey for the third year in a row is still number one in in points per game, where Patrick Mahomes has not been that the last two years, and he's only done it one of the three years starting, so I just don't see the value in Patrick Mahomes right now. Yeah, and I'd have to agree, because I have never been an early quarterback drafter. I'm just not that guy. I'd rather, like you said, take a Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, even or whoever I can get my hands on later. I've just never been about taking quarterback early. You, They really have to replicate serious success. And the reason isn't because Patrick Mahomes is not going to be good um, or not even that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be better than the other quarterbacks by a decent margin, but that's kind of just it. Like Patrick Mahomes 
he might get like 26 points per game. And then the quarterback 15 might get 20 points per game, as opposed to the running back one probably get 28, 29 points per game. And the running back 15 might be at 14 or 15. Like that's a huge difference. That's six points compared to like, was that like 13, 14 points? Exactly. Which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but in terms of fantasy, that's that's a huge difference. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't think it's worth it to take a guy like Mahomes early. Yeah, no, I again, I totally agree, and that's why I made that point. The final one that we have here is who is your number one most overrated player in fantasy right now in redraft? I'm ready to get into It's going to be the 49ers. It's going to okay. be the 49ers running back. It's going to be Trey Sermon. You don't like who, Wayne Gallman? Wayne <laughs> Goldman, uh, you know, it's it's a horrible situation, right? Like the scheme is built for running backs to have success. As a player, as a prospect, I hated Tracer. I thought he was way overrated as a rusher. This guy cannot hit the open holes. He does not have top end speed. Um, he can pass catch, but he's just that's not his specialty. He's a short yardage bulldozing running back, and that's just kind of who he is. Um, in the 49ers offense, you're going to have a split between Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Wayne Gallman, Jamichael Hasty, Elijah Mitchell, Kyle Juszczyk, and we have to count in Trey Lance because guess what? This guy can rush too. And I know there's the argument of, like we talked about before with J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson, maybe he can open up better running lanes. I'm not worried about running lanes because the 49ers offense, they have that zone blocking scheme and the running backs succeed either way. I'm just worried about consistency. I think Trey Sermon is a guy that could end up getting six or seven touchdowns at the very best, but he might end up having like 400 rushing yards. He just, he's not going to get nearly enough volume to be consistent in any way whatsoever. And if any of these other running backs do better, then it's going to be, I don't know. People, really seem to like Trey Sermon for whatever reason in 40, in San Francisco. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. And I think at the end of the day, I don't have a very strong opinion on Trey Sermon, but the thing I do know is I'm just going to stay away from this backfield because in any given yeah. week, it could be Jeffrey Wilson. It could be Raheem Mostert. It could be Wayne Gallman. It could be Kyle Juszczyk. It could be Trey Sermon. I just think that I am not like we're okay right now where Trey Sermon is going, you're going to have to get him really cheap. That's fine. That's great that you can get him cheap, but do you really want to hold your him on your roster for the first five or six weeks of the season and just hope on the prayer that he ends up as the lead guy? And and please, please viewers, listeners that, that are hating on me right now. Tell me the last back that was like the whole season, San Francisco starting running back. Yeah. Carlos Hyde. Exactly. That, that hence my point. And Carlos Hyde still wasn't even that great. So the, like at, at ceiling, you're probably getting Carlos Hyde. The chances that happen are very slim. And I don't like that. Another guy, the chances are slim, but I hate to say that because I love this guy as a player, but I didn't realize just how overrated I really feel like he is in fantasy. And unfortunately I hate to say it, but that's Terry McLaurin and Terry McLaurin was a winner of the off season for me. I just don't like him that much anymore. In his rookie season, he finishes the finished as the wide receiver 27. And last year, as great as he was when he played, and I know, I know, I know, he had a high ankle sprain and that hurt him. He finishes the wide receiver 21 right now. Yes, he finishes the wide receiver 21, but right now he's going as the wide receiver 12, which is just absolutely insanity to me. And I get it. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick start like his 
wide receiver one have averaged about 150 targets in his career when he's been the QB one. Terry McLaurin had 135 targets last year. Yes, I get it. Alec, he's Ryan Fitzpatrick target downfield is probably better than Alex Smith target. I understand that, but only like an extra 10 or 15 targets. And then the fact that like, they're going to be a little better targets. I just don't think that, I mean, the ADP has already carried that up anyway to a wide receiver 12. That's a wide receiver one. And the only guys that are going above him are the guys that we talked about earlier. Like the one guy, the first guy above him, Allen Robinson, the next guy above him, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, guys like that. Those are the guys that are going above Terry McLaurin. And I just don't see where the Terry McLaurin value is right here. I love Terry. I, I have him as my wide receiver 12. Um, you, you know, and like, look, like I, I, Keenan Allen are going after him, you're saying? Or no, right in front sorry, of him? Sorry, they're going right in front of him. Let me give you, can I give you three guys going after him? Sure. Robert Woods, Julio Jones, and DJ Moore. Maybe DJ I'd Moore. I'd rather have fun. Terry than all those guys. You'd rather have Terry, you'd rather have Terry McLaurin than Julio Jones. Okay. You'd rather have Terry McLaurin than someone like Robert Woods or Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. all those guys. All those good. Okay. I wouldn't, I, I disagree because I just don't like investing in offenses. I don't think are going to be that great. Sure. But okay. So what is your main issue with Terry? Is it volume or is it efficiency of the offense? My my main issue with Terry is the fact that he has never finished as a top 12 wide receiver, even a, a top 20 wide receiver, and he's going as the wide receiver 12 right now. What was he in points per game last year? Do you have that? In last year in points per game, he was about 18. Okay. That's fair. Um, but that's with the sprained ankle. So I, I also that could, that could also be something that people will... With sprained ankle and Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen... And, you know, it's – look, Ryan Fitzpatrick, whether you like him or not, he is a significant upgrade from anything that Terry's been able to work with so far in his career. I agree. So quality of the target is going to go up. Okay. Now, with that, I feel like when you have a really bad offense in general, the amount of offensive plays that you can run is going to be a lot lower than a fast-paced – uh, high-powered offense. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, like the Rams or uh, like the like the Chiefs. You know, these are the high-powered offenses. They're going to get a ton of plays off on the field. Washington can, at the very least, transform a little bit to that, which I think is going to add maybe fifty to seventy-five, maybe closer to one hundred additional plays for this team. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm a huge advocate of alphas eat first. Terry McLaurin for me is that alpha. Okay. Right. I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. So for me, he's an alpha. Um, is he going to get 150 targets? Maybe not. But when it comes down to Ryan Fitzpatrick's tendencies to chuck it down the field and Terry McLaurin's tendencies to just be an amazing receiver down the field, no matter who's throwing it to him, I, I just think it's a match made in heaven. And I understand that the, with Logan Thomas there and Curtis Amel being added, um, but again, I don't think those guys are well, Logan Thomas not being added more so just existing, whatever. <laughs> um, point being, I- I'm a huge advocate for Terry. I'm fine taking him as a wide receiver one. He's a little inconsistent last year, and he hasn't finished as a top 12 wide receiver. But for me, I don't really hold that against him. Okay, that, that's fine. 
But let me ask you a different question. That, okay, then let, let's just say for, for hypothetically, I agree with you. Fine. Terry McLaurin is the wide receiver 12. And for a moment, I'll let us agree on that. What is his ceiling when the guys going in front of him are the three guys going directly ahead of him are Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, and then it goes Calvin Ridley, and then you get into the DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, What is McLaurin's ceiling if he's going as the wide receiver 12 and you're looking for value? Yeah, I, I'd put him in that Keenan Allen range. I'd put him in that Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson range. I wouldn't reach as high as DK and A.J. Brown, but I would definitely say, like, look, Terry's a really talented wide receiver. And if he's got a quarterback who's going to feed him that ball, and if he's really going to truly eat first, I, I think the upside for Terry is there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just in love with Terry. You're but, saying the upside is like Keenan Allen range. Yeah. Okay, that that's fine. Well, the Keenan Allen range is three spots above where he's being drafted. I mean, you're just saying, okay, the ceiling is like three spots above where he's being drafted. Why are you drafting sure. that if it's only three? I, okay, I get it. It's the wide receiver 12. The maximum mm. you can go is 11 spots up. But I think I'd just rather go after someone that has more of a top five or top three ceiling. Like who? Like that, who that's going after that? I, I think that someone like Julio Jones absolutely has that because he's done it. <laughs> I, sure. think, I think Mike Evans is a guy that's done, that can absolutely do it. He's been a top 10 wide receiver. Yes, they have a million weapons in Tampa, but I think he's a guy that could do it. I think I would probably take Terry McLaurin over Mike Evans. I think Robert Woods is a guy that I would take over. I would take over Terry McLaurin, excuse me, or even someone like DJ Moore, if we want to shout out Dom Ruggs. I think someone like that. I just don't think that Terry McLaurin is that is that dude in fantasy, at least. I think on the field he is, but... I think off the field, I, or on fantasy at least, I just don't see what the ceiling is overall for him. Yeah, and, and I understand that point. But I feel like there's also, when it comes to value, there's a combination of upside and like safety and security, right? That's for fair. a guy like uh, Julio, first of all, the injuries, obviously. Second of all, the lack of touchdown production, which, you know, obviously that's been there. Um, Julio is Julio at the end of the day. Uh, Robert Woods, maybe it's Cooper Cup this week, or at the same same time, maybe Cam Akers is going to run the ball thirty times this week, which is what I think the Rams are going to do. I think they're going to try to lean on the run game even with Stafford there. Uh, a guy like DJ Moore, maybe it's Robbie or even Terrace Marshall this week. Maybe Sam Darnold doesn't pan out. So I feel like when we're thinking about safety at the position, I feel like that also plays a role into the value, which is why I like Terry McLaurin in that spot. He has that Keenan Allen upside, and at the same time, I feel relatively safe because in the past even with quarterbacks like Kyle Allen and stuff like that he, he's been okay uh, that, that's again that's again where I disagree because fine DJ Moore fine I think that was that was a bit of a reach but Julio Jones missed four games over his previous six years yes he is older yes he is 32 and he did miss time last year and yes he has been on the injury port a lot in his career but he's only missed four games in the previous six years and the thing is he has that ceiling that I think that Terry McLaurin doesn't because Julio has been a perennial top five wide receiver. Robert Woods has finished as a top 12 wide receiver in points per game each of the last three years. So he already has that over Terry McLaurin. He's never done that. And I think that's why I'd take Robert Woods. And I think that is why I believe that we can agree to disagree on that one. And we will just let this season talk for itself. And I'm okay oh, yeah. with that. Going off of this season, what's going to happen at the end of the season? What is your Super Bowl prediction for this year? Super Bowl predictions. Um, considering the only difference in Tampa is that everybody just got a year older. Yep. Um, 
I mean, it's kind of hard to not have Tampa going back to the Super Bowl at this point with Tom still there, unless he falls off a cliff with, which is what everybody's been predicting for like five years now and it hasn't happened. So I'm not going to predict that Tom Brady's falling off a cliff anytime soon. Um, if anything, he's more adjusted to Tampa right now because that second half of the season, he, that's when he really got going. Um, so I'll say Tampa on that side. On the other side, I, I want to say Kansas City, but I, I'm not going to say Patriots. I'm not going to be a homer. I'm not going to say Patriots. I think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're a Super Bowl-bound team. Um, I mean, the Ravens, maybe. Because okay. if Lamar Jackson clicks, right? Like he's got Rashad Bateman, he's got Tyland Wallace, he's got Mark Andrews, he's got J.K. Dobbins, he's got everything in front of him. If he clicks, then I, I think they have a good chance going to the Super Bowl. It's just going to be between them and the Chiefs, really. I like that. I think it's a fair prediction. The final question I have for you, Joey, the final question of the day, my favorite question to ask, and I say that on every episode this year because I love hearing this from guests. What is your 2021 flag plant, your boldest prediction that you believe in? What is the flag that you are going to plant and let all the listeners know that you, this player that you believe in more than anyone else that you want in every draft? And could he possibly be the same player that you had last year? Yes, Joe Mixon. Of course. Of course. If anybody knows me, they know it's Joe Mixon all the time. Um, I would plant my flag on him easily being a top 10 running back if we want to go bolder. I think he can be in that three to five range um running back one as long as christian mccaffrey's breathing uh, it's just christian mccaffrey and Delvin cook as long as they're breathing i don't really think it's possible um but i i definitely think three to five is where his upside is i mean i was a i was all over joe mixon last year and his situation has only gotten 10 times better since last year with additions to the offensive line Jew bernard leaving jamar chase to stretch the field um, going into the season healthy, being reunited with his running back coach. Um, you know, there's there's a lot going forward for Joe Mixon heading into 2021, and that's where I'm going to plant my flag. I like it. Uh, I'm a fan of Joe Mixon. I just talked about it in the last episode. I don't know. You don't need to rehash that again. I love Joe Mixon. I think this is going to be the year of Joe Mixon, and I would not be surprised if he is the overall RB1 right now. And I think mm. like him and Cam Akers are two of the best running back draft values right now. So I absolutely love them. Is there anything before we get out of here that you want to plug or anything that you're working on or really excited about in fantasy in general? Um, mock draft season. I'm excited for that. Love it. Um, no, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram, fantasy.football.analyst. Got my website up and running soon. So that's going to be fun, but yeah, just do my thing, you know? No, I love it. I love it. And I, I think that, People should follow your page, and I think that I hope more people continue to do it. I mean, you gained like another three or 4,000 followers last year, if, if not more, and I can't wait to see where it goes this year. Um, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. It is always a pleasure to have you, and I would be very, very happy if you were the one to set the record at the end of this year for the most <laughs> listens to come on the podcast. I really appreciate I think I it. Do it. Yeah, I think we could absolutely do it. And if anyone is still listening at this point – Please leave, please leave me a review. I would love to hear any feedback or anything I can possibly do to make the podcast better. That's what we're here to do. And especially when we have great guests like Joey, the podcast can only go up from here. And I think that these guests like this just elevate it every more. And I hope that everyone is enjoying. So if you are listening, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.